Good morning on this gorgeous sunny week. Thank you everyone for tuning into this week's installment of What's New CJRU on CJRU 1280am in Toronto. We've got some good diverse takes and recordings today. From news about Toronto festivals, to a segment from the cool table, to piping hot takes about bears. No matter what you're into, you'll find something to enjoy on today's What's New CJRU. This week, we're bringing you a very chill, honest, perhaps even cool excerpt from a recent show. It's a show that we've covered before on What's New CGRU, but not for a long time. If you haven't guessed by now, we're talking about Adriel Smiley and his show, The Cool Table. If you haven't heard of it before, The Cool Table is one of CGRU's premier shows for hearing new, great music. Adriel curates each hour-long episode to have great songs and also fits in some live recordings. This week, Adriel has artist Paul Shin on the recording. And like each guest, he's been challenged to eat an entire tub of ice cream within the recording time. Will they do it? I guess we'll have to listen to find out. Check out this clip from the cool table for a chill discussion of the local music scene. Um, you had your release party last night. We talked about it a bit. Listening party. Listening, sorry. Listening party. Release party is on Saturday. Listening party. Listening party. Um, I feel like listening parties have a special place in my heart after the pandemic because those were some of the first events that I even went to when the pandemic started. How, do you feel like there's a difference in them now than how they were um, before? Because I, I feel like they've gotten better, if that makes any sense. I feel like they've gotten much better in terms of people like, doing what they want to do or making it more their vibe. Like, do you agree yeah, with that? I don't, I don't really know what people are doing post pandemic because I have not gone to any, I've mostly not gone to anything. Um, but let's see, uh, the one listening party or I've been to two listening parties. I think that mm. stand out to me. One was, uh, for flying lotuses until the quiet comes, okay. which was years ago. Um, and that was cool. It was at the Drake Underground, and uh, that one was put on by my man Henry, veteran in the game, um, just an absolute ghost right now. Um, but yeah, that one was super dope because you know we got to hear that album like a week early or something yeah. like that, and then we were surprised with a uh, guest FaceTime from the man himself, Jeez. Flying Lotus. Uh, projected onto the big screen, so we got to ask him questions and oh, talk to him sick. and hear about it uh, while he was in L.A., so that was really dope. And then the other one that I have uh, been to that is of note was Claremont II. Um, trying to think of which album it was. It was Do You Drive, I'm pretty sure. Okay. That's um, a while. Yeah, yeah. So that was a while ago as well. But that was really great. That was at the old Red Bull space when they used to be on Queen. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was great because it was just people hanging out and uh, standing around. And uh, they ordered us pizza as well. Which so you already know I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I'm locked in. You're there for it. I'm locked in. And yeah, we got to hear that album. Um, Claremont got to talk about it a little bit. Uh. 
yeah, that was just a good time. I, you know, I was there with a group that I group of friends that I really liked hanging out with. So that was uh, that was that was a good one as well. I feel like it depends on the on the kind of artists. Like the two artists your name are both like super creative, mm-hmm. and so I feel like see this is about to get into a shade throwing, but I feel like if the type of artist you are, the type of release party you're gonna have, and how you even like market yourself, because. I've been to release parties and, and sorry, release parties, listening parties mm-hmm. where the album is like underwhelming, you know, <laughs> like, and, and it, I mean, I guess you can't really do anything about it at that point. right? It's, no, it's, it's way too late. And I'm not going to name who this person is, but this person, their um, EP was also so short. It was like under 15 minutes that people were like just starting to like get into it. And then it ended and she started talking and you saw like 30 people just do a little you know, thinking it, thinking it wasn't done. So I feel like the artists themselves have to, their personality has to show in that, in that kind of setting. Yeah. I would never do a listening party for anything under seven tracks. That makes a lot of sense. I don't think, I feel like that's just a waste of everyone's time. That's, you know that's I mean? just a grab. I, that, like, that's like, I don't like to use the word cloud chasing, but it's a little cloud chasing. It's a, yeah, it's it's not really the thing that you need to be doing with that. You know what I mean? It, the scale doesn't really line up. Do a live stream. <laughs> yeah, this, the, this is, okay, here's what, I, here's why I land on that. The scale doesn't really line up. Mm-hmm. And I say that as somebody who routinely, mm-hmm. uh, uh, creates things and um, jumps into endeavors that are just slightly above the scale that I think that I should be. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But I think there's like a difference, like there's a distinction between like ambition and just like delusion. Um, And I, and I, and I walk that line every day of my life. But I think that like, you know, a 50, like a, a sub 15 minute, you know what I I would assume like four tracks kind yeah. of thing. Um, that's uh, that's that's wild to me. <laughs> you know it it is kind of crazy because I I saw that this is your first like full length and it, it it clicked to me because I was like I I never I never realized that that you had not put out a full length. I mm-hmm. just was so used to use an artist and your music that I was like, oh my god, this is way more songs. Than the last. Mm-hmm. Talk about that in terms of putting out a proper full length because you got like some notoriety and buzz with putting out a smaller project. Mm-hmm. Did that change how you went to this one or anything like that? Yeah, it made me way more confident in a way that it maybe shouldn't have. <laughs> um, no, I mean, like I've always wanted to do mm-hmm. a full length album, but I think that like the thing that doing like what that was five. uh yeah five EPs has taught me is that it's it's way harder than you think to put together a collection like of any number of songs mm-hmm. that feel like they belong together and that's kind of my whole thing so I feel like in making all of these EPs over the years it has been me getting better at or getting more competent mm-hmm. at the act of like compiling a body of work um and so every single one of those has been just like a practice test for doing a full length. Mm-hmm. I think the other aspect of it was that, you know, I've been at this long enough. I've had enough time. I've had enough thoughts and feelings and observations to like finally warrant kind of putting into one thing. Once I realized mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, they're actually, I actually have volume of like material or themes or ideas that warrant 
you know, a runtime of this length or this many songs or whatever. And now, and now I've also had like a decade of practicing piecing things together and making sure and finding a way to like weave things together. Um, that kind of span very, you know, different extremes of sort of like the sonic palette that I like to work in. Um, so there was that. So like coming out of full spectrum, people were really feeling it. Um, you know, I started getting the looks that I'd always wanted and felt I had always deserved. And I was like, okay, so y'all will be here when I get back with the next one. And they weren't, <laughs> they weren't. Um, so this is why I say confident in a way that I sh- maybe should not have been. Um, I, I think what we said um, about building a project is, mm-hmm. a, is a thing that I think about a lot because most time people do EPs, it's not like that. Full spectrum, I, th- I think part of it being successful was that it's like, this is not just a, a collection of songs. This is actually a project together, of course. And Under Heaven, We Are All Made of Water out now. But I think that that was like, you said your practice for making something full length. Mm-hmm. Did you get some kind of like, what's the word, fatigue in making this because you had made such smaller projects before? Like when a player who only plays college ball had to play a full 82? Uh, no, I don't think so. Um, and I think a part of that is also because I like truly just gave myself the time mm-hmm. to do it. So I don't really feel like, I actually feel like all things considered, it feels like I've spent more time or it, like the passage of time has felt longer mm-hmm. since I finished making the music. Oh, like since you've been done. Since I've been done making the music and all and just been doing all the peripheral stuff. So we're talking mm-hmm. about music videos, album artwork, promo strategy, um, you know, emailing deliverables to all the right people, mm-hmm. you know, the dozens of like little social assets and videos and uh, little clips and mm-hmm. all the tweets and scheduling the event brights and the like all of that, which I have all personally had a hand in with the exception of like literally the upload to the DSPs, DSPs yeah. which my distributor does. But even still, I had to package everything for them. I do all of that myself. So dealing with all of that and then dealing with all the stuff that goes wrong in all of those in all of those uh, interactions which, and so on and so will. forth. Which it did even to this morning. I'll tell you about that in a second. Um, I feel like I've aged a hundred years. <laughs> um, in just like the, I guess eight months since project been done, or in the like ten months since I started on that, on that side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I think I like spent maybe two years working on music, and then a hundred years like in the last year just trying to get it ready. I've got to give major props to Adriel for coming with that whole finish the tub of ice cream within the recording. Like it or not, radio is a niche genre, and not everyone will always listen to your full show, even if you specifically tell them to not touch that dial. Having the ice cream accomplishes multiple goals. It adds a gimmick to the show to differentiate yourself from the competition. It entices listeners to keep listening so they can find out if the artist finished the whole tub. And it encourages guests to come back because they're getting a big old tub of ice cream out of the whole experience. I forgot to tell y'all earlier, but the ice cream that Paul chose for this recording was tiramisu. An interesting choice indeed, not what I would have chosen, but you know, interesting for sure. 
<laughs> I know the nature of this recording was a discussion on music, but I'm just, I'm so into the ice cream challenge thing. I'm just thinking about if I was on the show, what flavor would I get? Uh, it would probably be a flavor that you could get down easily, no? I feel like getting anything with big chunks in it would slow down your eating speed and would just fill up your stomach more. A simple flavor like vanilla would probably get bland after a while, and like a strong flavor like lemon would get way too overpowering for chowing down continuously in a short time. I think mint chocolate would be a safe bet for me. Great flavors, holds up to continuous eating, easy to get right so you don't have to worry about the brand, and overall, it's delicious. Well, I feel like I might have talked about ice cream a bit too much, but but you know, no, you know what? No, you can never talk about ice cream too much. Maybe you'll have even more ice cream discussions later. Who knows? Who knows? I have just received word that an announcement has been made by the Deputy Mayor of Toronto regarding future funding. It sounds like a large sum of money will be going towards some kind of local Toronto development. Daniel freaking Centeno has got the news for us. Let's listen in. Good morning, and what a pleasure it is to be here with uh, Councillor Carroll, who is doing amazing work in her capacity of Chair of the Economic Development Committee. And uh, how nice to be with uh, the dancers who doesn't want a splash of colour in summer on a cold winter day. So, so great to have them join us here today at City Hall. Um, a big thank you too to the Steel Pan performer here today and all of those from Caribbean Carnival. It's just one of the amazing great organizations that call Toronto home. And today I'm delighted to announce that through the 2023 budget, we are providing almost $2 million in total funding to 44 local cultural event festivals this year. This funding has been made possible through the Cultural Festivals Funding Program, which is now entering its second year. This includes multi-year recipients and returning favorites, including Salsa on St. Clair, Luminata, Caribbean Carnival here with us today, as well as the 2023 Pride Festival. Annual recipients include Takaranto Music Festival 2023, Toronto Jerkfest, Francophonie en Fête, Scarborough Summerfest 2023, St. Patrick's Day Festival, and Celebrate Toronto. Representatives of the Caribbean Carnival, Celebrate Toronto, and Toronto Dragon Festival were present at the press conference as well. The funding will be available through the city's Cultural Festival Funding Program, which has supported events like Salsa on St. Clair, Jerkfest, and Pride. Funding for the festivals starts at $25,000. This year, we also have 19 new recipients receiving funding for cultural festivals in Toronto. And today we are joined by, present by representatives from Celebrate Toronto, an organization which is a first time recipient of cultural festival funding program. Uh, sorry, cultural festival funding program. Uh, these cultural festivals are so important to enhancing the social life and vibrancy of the city of Toronto. 
cultural festivals have an incredibly positive economic and social impact on Toronto from creating employment and volunteer opportunities, attracting tourists and revenue, raising awareness of important issues and creating social connections. And they're also a lot of fun. The cultural festivals funding program has been designed to support the development of the festival sector while promoting access, equity, inclusion, service innovation, excellence, and resilience. The cultural festival funding program was developed to meet that need. The program was created in 2021 to increase the reach, accountability, and transparency of city funding to cultural festivals. The city developed the program in close consultation with council, stakeholders, and communities seeking city support. Since this funding was created, we have seen growing requests for more, for more, and we recently established festivals to access city supports and funding. This has been particularly true of festival producers from outside the city core and from diverse cultural communities. I am thrilled with this program, so happy to be here today to announce the positive impact that it's going to have on our city and its residents, as well as the high demand that we see for this excellent funding. Along with the 44 approved cultural festivals is the return of Taste of the Danforth. This is one of the bigger festivals in the city, celebrating the East End Greek culture. Due to alleged logistical problems regarding bike lanes and street permits, the festival has been cancelled since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. The list of the approved cultural festivals will be posted soon. More details to come. Rare Toronto W. For once, I am thrilled with development in Toronto news. I love the cultural festivals in Toronto. Last summer, my girlfriend Ruby and I did a spree of seeing as many as we could. And let me tell you, there were a lot to see. Lots of street meet, lots of local performers, and lots of great new people to meet. It's an exciting opportunity that rewards both citizens and local businesses. And now, with 19 new cultural venues being funded, this number is going way up this summer. And that's not to mention the taste of the freaking Danforth is back. I have been longing for its glorious return for years now. And here it is. We'll have to see how it unfolds, but I would love to see the taste of Danforth return in all its glory. I didn't expect to be this giddy, folks. But when good news like this comes along, it's hard not to be. It's been a while since we've had a good classic Josh rant on the show. I've kept the weekly shout out pretty docile in recent recordings, but I can't hold myself back any longer because today on the weekly shout out, we're not shouting out topics, we're trashing our topics. However, it is the weekly shout-out, which means we have to shout-out something. So, we're gonna shout-out me, because I'm the greatest. Shout-out Josh! Yeah! <laughs> okay, let's begin. First, I'd like to preface this rant by saying that if I had access to a time machine, I would go back in time and tell our ancestors to not stop with the domestication of dogs. Now, stay with me here. I love dogs. Like, I love those freaking creatures. However, I feel like humans could have gone so much farther than just domesticating dogs. I'm asking, why didn't we domesticate bears? It couldn't have been that hard. Bears are super chill. Have you ever heard about Voitech the bear? 
the bear who joined the Polish armed forces during World War II, he was super chill. There's no horror stories about him. Bears are possibly the most cuddly species on the planet, and they're bigger than like every human. I would totally own a bear. So you're probably asking yourself now, Josh, what does this have to do with anything? Who cares? Well, dear listener, this is because I am on a crusade, a crusade against evil bear propaganda. This year, there are too many movies coming out about bears killing people. Before we begin, I'll be talking about the new movie Cocaine Bear, which is now in theaters. I'm just putting a trigger warning here as this movie features cocaine as a main plot point, and I'll be discussing it. Okay, back to it. So yeah, Cocaine Bear is our first spectacle that I'm talking about. I think I'm the only person who's actually not excited for this movie, and I remember when the story that this is based upon came out. It was really interesting. It was just a unique real-life situation about a bear doing a bunch of cocaine. But, like, that's the whole story. That's the entire plot. A bear does cocaine and starts killing people. Why do we need a movie about this? What new information can be brought to the story that will newly engage audiences? Like, I think it's an interesting idea to be made into a movie, but I just can't imagine it being much good. But... To be fair, Cocaine Bear doesn't look that bad. And it's just some random bear. Some bears can be jerks, I'm sure. But what really inspired this rant is another movie coming out this year. A movie starring a classic innocent bear that has been tarnished by a stupid cash grab movie. Yes, I'm talking about Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. This movie makes me furious. I think it's really cool that Winnie the Pooh and the Hundred Acre Woods are back in public domain. It gives fans of the franchise the ability to make their own media that has a unique twist on the character. But this is what we settled on? Pooh goes around killing people? What are we, 13 years old? It's like the concept for a video that Smosh would make. And you know what? I think Smosh would do it even better. It's the plot that every 13-year-old comes up with when they get deviant art for the first time. Bro, what if Winnie the Pooh went crazy and, like, killed people? <laughs> like, come on, Really? These, these are beloved childhood characters, characters who have stood the test of time for 100 years. Pooh is literally a willy-nilly silly old bear, and they have tarnished his good name. And I will never forgive them for that. On this week's musical segment, we've got a brand new find for me, King Tough. King Tuff is an artist who's been on my radar for a while now, but I've just kind of been putting off listening to him. King Tuff offers the garage sound that I've grown to love, but what makes him so unique is he brings a much softer, gentler tone as compared to many other garage-style bands. This is on full display in his most recent album, Small Town Stardust. In this album, his lyrics are often optimistic. Though songs may start off in a somber place, the rhythm will stay positive and his lyrics will help the listener climb out of any kind of pit that they feel they're mentally in. I'll stop my yapping and let you get an earful yourselves. Here is Love Letters to Plants by King Tough. That was Letters to Plants by King Tough. It's definitely a highlight from the album, possibly my favorite. It may not have the most meaning, but I'm in love with the synth backing track. It almost sounds like a violin. If you're as enchanted with this track as I am, let me give you some more King Tough related info. His real name is Kyle Thomas, and he's got some real history within the music scene. Starting in 2008, he's been releasing music with multiple bands, jumping between them for different tour events. 
stating in 2018 that he was overwhelmed with the touring life. He's taken some time to settle down and find his roots, which is where this project stems from. If you like King Tough, you can check him out on Spotify, Apple Music, Bandcamp, or any of his other platforms. Well, 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 sounds like it's time to wrap things up. I hope everyone felt uplifted and connected through that King Tough recording. And I don't know about y'all, but I could really go for some ice cream after that Adriel Smiley interview. Thanks to Adriel and the Cool Table for that great recording that we listened to. And if you want to hear more, be sure to tune into their next recording on CJRU 1280am in Toronto. Until next time, I've been Josh, and I'm gonna go eat some ice cream. Thank you.